Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, man. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thoughts of an Empath podcast. Episode 3, baby. The Lion King Concept, Part 2. I am your host, Stevenson Saintville. It is a blessing and an honor to be with y'all here today, man. It really is. It really is. First and foremost, gotta show love to God. Of course, of course. Absolutely have to show love to God. And definitely want to show love to everybody taking the time out to watch, to listen, to comment, to share, subscribe, to everybody supporting, man. I appreciate you guys so much. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So part two, not going to waste no time. We're going to jump right back into the story. Uh, Before I get into that, got a quick announcement to make. At some point in the episode, there will be a shift. There will be a transition, and it's going to be very, very, very obvious. The reason for this is, you know, I had recorded last week. I was doing the editing today. The episode was done. I was ready to save, ready to upload, ready to get it out to you guys. Accidentally deleted one of the videos I was used in the final take, and I wasn't able to recover it for reasons that I'm not going to get into because it got me tight. And it basically left me with two options. Either re-record the part that was messed up or re-record the whole episode. Really wasn't trying to do all that work and really wasn't trying to drag this out any longer than it has been. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just re-record that part. Um, We'll edit it together. We'll make it look nice. We'll finesse it and everything will be smooth. So when you notice the shift, when you realize it, just try not to pay it too much mind and just continue to rock with the episode and we're going to have a good time. Cool? Cool. So, part two begins at the introduction of Timon and Pumbaa. At this point in the story, uh, Simba has been exiled from the Pride Lands on the Order of Scar. Scar has taken the throne, and everything seems to be just heading downhill. <clears throat> so, Timon and Pumbaa, they find Simba unconscious in out in the blazing hot sun, and they rescue him. They bring him to some shade, and they're able to wake him up. Once Simba wakes up, they get to talking. Yo, bro, who are you? Where you from? What's your story? And Simba simply tells them, you know what, guys? It don't even matter, bro. It really don't even matter. So we can see that Simba's at a very low point at this, at this, at this stage. Obviously. His dad has just died, and he is to blame. In his head. So Timon and Pumbaa, they start to dialogue with Simba, and they start to... Um, introduce him to their life philosophy, which is Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata simply means no worries. And the lifestyle associated with Hakuna Matata is a very carefree, laid-back, worry-free, responsibility-free lifestyle, but also with an emphasis on enjoying the simple things in life. So Simba, upon hearing about Hakuna Matata, he's like, okay, this, this, ain't, this don't sound too bad. I think I can get on board with this. This goes right in line with what I'm trying to accomplish. <laughs> so they chopping it up a little bit more. And then Pumbaa's like, yo, I think it's time for us to get some food. I'm, I'm very hungry. And Simba agrees. Man, I'm starving. I could eat a whole zebra. And Timon's like, uh-huh. I ain't got no zebra for you, bro. So what Simba starts to do is request things that are typical to his diet. He asks for some antelope. He asks for some hippo. 
And when you take a step back and you really think about what he's asking for, out in the African savanna, in the wilderness, if you're getting zebra, antelope, hippo, gazelle, wildebeest, those are high-quality meals, you know what I'm saying? He's not asking for nothing minuscule. These are five-star gourmet meals that he's asking of these dudes. So Timon's like, ah... Bro, I'm fresh out of all of that. I'm not going to hold you. I ain't got none of that for you. But what I do have are some grubs. And what he does is he pulls out a pallet full of actual bugs. Simba's initial reaction is... Ew, what's that? A grub. What's it look like? Ew, gross. Mm. Tastes like chicken. Slimy yet satisfying. <laughs> And I found this scene to be very telling and to be like a real key segment because in real life, a lot of us can be like that sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like we have, you know, a familiarity with a certain degree of substance, with a certain, you know, level of item, with a certain brand that when we are presented with things that don't equate to those, you know, to that degree or that brand in our minds, we instantly have that same reaction where it's like, ill gross i'm not really down with what you're trying to approach me with i'm not used to eating at popeyes instead of red lobster i'm not used to driving a kia instead of a mercedes you know what I'm saying? and i'm just throwing out examples but this type of mindset is very very apparent in the black community now i'm not going to get too much into detail on that because i'm going to come for y'all in episode four i'm going to holler at my people because i got some things to say to y'all man for real so, Simba's like, ew, gross, <laughs> what, what is this? You know what I'm saying? And he, Timon's like, yo, bro, don't knock it till you try it. You know what I'm saying? Slimy, yet satisfying. So Simba's like, you know what, bro? Whatever. Let me give it a shot. Ah, eat some, eats a worm or something. Eh, this, this ain't so bad, bro. You know what I'm saying? You got a point. Slimy yet satisfying. <laughs> and this is where Simba begins to adopt the Hakuna Matata lifestyle. Now, bear in mind, at the beginning of the musical number, he is a child going into this. But at the end of Hakuna Matata, he is a fully grown adult. So that means he is able to grow up and literally become a strong, healthy, grown lion off of living off the simple things. Do you think he's out there in the jungle, you know, looking for some antelope and some hippo? Probably not. Why? Because Timon and, and Pumbaa don't eat antelope and hippo. His team, the people he has associated with, don't indulge in those sort of things. So he's not even actively thinking of, oh, damn, I need to go get some of this. He's just living his Hakuna Matata life. He's living free and clear, responsibility free. And that just goes to show the importance of the Timons and the Pumbas in our lives. Yeah, we have scars, of course, but along our life journey, we are going to come across Timons and Pumbas, people that influence us and really help us to adopt a kind of worry-free lifestyle that is centered on enjoying the simple things in life. You don't always got to have the luxury items. You don't need the Chanel. You don't need the Gucci. You don't need that BMW. You can't afford that BMW. But this Honda over here looking real clean, bruh. <laughs> so it's very key and very important for us to find those Timons and Pumbas and for us to embrace those Timons and Pumbas and really adopt that 
Hakuna Matata lifestyle. And once we're able to absorb that and really get it into our being, you'll find that you can grow, you can live, and you can come out the other side of the, the musical number, you know, feeling real good. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. And you'll be fine, and you'll be living good, and you'll be living relaxed. So after the beautiful Hakuna Matata scene, and we see Simba grow up, um, we see Simba, Timon and Pumbaa, you know, relaxing in the field after a good meal. He's laying down, looking up at the stars. And Timon's like, no, Pumbaa's like, um, Timon, what do you think is up there? What do you think is up in the stars? And Timon gives his, you know, theory. And then Pumbaa gives his theory, which is the actual real-life theory. You know, the balls of gas burning billions and billions of miles away. And then they ask Simba, hey, what, what you think is up there? So Simba tells them what he learned as a kid. That the great kings of the past are up there looking down on us. And instantly, but inadvertently, Timon and Pumbaa start to clown him. And they don't recognize how deep that hits. And this is very important here because when we come across the Timons and Pumbas of our lives, like, again, you know, we all have scars, but we all also have Timon and Pumbas. Those, those people that we come across that influence us and help us live that Hakuna Matata lifestyle. But they don't know our story. They don't know what we've been through. They don't know our sensitivities and our insecurities and things like that. So if they say something that may trigger us, we have to remember that mm, they just don't know that this applies to me. They just don't know that it would hit deep for me. Because most of the time, people, you know, those that are on your team, I hope those that are on your team, are not saying things purposely to offend you. You see? So there has to be like a, like a little gap of the amount of stuff you can take before you know before actually being genuinely affected or genuinely offended you know what I'm and you know what I'm you're not sharing anything with them anyway so you can't hold that against them you know what I'm most of the time when people meet someone new they're not just going to automatically and instantly share all the things that are ailing them and share all the hurt and the pain that they've gone through in the past so if you're not going to tell me about what you've been through you can't press me if i say something that triggers you because again it wasn't done intentionally and obviously i'm not trying to just make you be down in your feelings you know what I'm saying so simba he reacts the right way you know what I'm saying he could he was visibly upset and he could have lashed out on them. He could have ate them if he really wanted to. But what he does, he just removes himself from the situation. You know what I'm saying? Because clearly he doesn't have peace in the situation, but he removes it. So he's able to remove himself in order to not, you know, react in the wrong way. But if you do have peace in your situation, you'll be able to calmly address it and be like, yo, you know, I've been through some stuff. You know, that has to do with this. Don't really worry about the details. But yeah, don't you know, just just be careful with that. Because and and that means a whole lot to the to those, you know, that you're telling it to. 
It's like, okay, this person's being upfront, this person's being real and honest with us about something that they've gone through and something that affects them. So now we know in advance. You see? Because you don't know how annoying it is, guys. I'm not gonna hold you. You don't know how annoying it is to meet someone new, not know nothing about them, and then try and, you know, figure out what I have to tiptoe around. It's like, it's really, really annoying and obnoxious to expect someone to be like, okay, I'm supposed to just instantly know everything you've gone through so that I can be sensitive around all these topics. I'm not a, a mind reader, people. You know what I'm saying? We are not mind readers. So be upfront. Be real with one another. If you a little bit, you know, still going through it and still in your feelings, calmly express yourself, but then remove yourself from the situation. But if you found peace, you already have that in your mind where it's just like, I, I can talk about it real quick. You decide whether or not how much information you want to divulge to these lady to these individuals. But you know saying you're not gonna be you're not gonna be in your feelings about it. You're not gonna get upset about it. So Simba he walks away. And, you know, he's instantly starts to think about what actually triggered him. You know what I'm saying? His pops not being there. So he's looking up at the stars. He's like, yo, you said you'd always be there for me, but you're not. And it's all my fault. So we see that Simba's still holding on to all this. Even though he's grown up into a full adult, he's still holding on to all of that pain and hurt. And he still can't let it go. And the weight of just the pressure and, and everything that is, you know, making him get, is putting him in his feelings and making him feel some type of way, it just bears down on him. And he can't even hold himself up and he just drops to the ground. And, you know what I'm saying, some dust flies out from underneath him and somehow this dust is able to travel across the entire savannah all the way to Rafiki's tree. Now Rafiki, he's just chilling in his tree, eating some fruit, and he sees it, he sees the dust and he catches the dust. And he starts to analyze the dust. And I guess the spirits speak to Rafiki. And they're like, yo, this, that's Simba. And he can't believe it. He's like, wait, wait, what? Excuse me? Who? Nah, that's not Simba. Don't play with me like that, bruh. Don't, don't, don't get me tight. Don't play with my emotions like that, man. Because remember, Rafi don't know nothing about what happened at the stampede. You know saying all he knows is that Simba's gone missing or is presumed to be dead. Mufasa is dead. The kingdom is going to hell. The lineage has been broken. It's, you know, there's pandemonium and sheer chaos in the land. That's all he knows. And he doesn't have any hope of things getting better. But once he finds out that Simba is alive, the joy in his heart consumes him. And he can't refrain from expressing that. He's alive? Get the fuck out of here, man. Nah, don't play with me, man. It's time. It's time to get things right. It's time to rebuild. It's time to fix up all the nastiness and all the hurt and the pain that's been caused since Simba's, you know, departure and since Scar's rise to the throne. It's like, nah, now's the time. We got to get things right. Now's the time. We got we to gotta get it popping. And he's so excited. And it's just like, yo, for someone to be so excited just to find out you're alive. Just to find out you're alive. They don't know what condition you're in. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you're actively doing right now. But just because you're alive, there is hope in his heart. And that tells me that as long as you are alive, ladies and gentlemen, as long as you are breathing, there is hope for redemption. No matter what you've been through, 
no matter what you're going through, as long as you are breathing, there is always hope for a comeback. So the story continues. Um, in the next scene, we see Timon and Puma. They just cruising, chilling, singing. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. And Puma sees like a little bug walking across. He's like, oh, word, let me get a snack while I'm out here, bro. My brother, my brother could use a little snack. And he starts to follow the bug and all that stuff. And then he looks off into the horizon and he sees Nala. Well, he sees a lion. <laughs> stalking him and this is the reemergence of Nala and as soon as he sees her gone he starts booking and Nala starts chasing after him and they you know it's <laughs> this scene's always funny to me because Puma gets stuck in like a tree and Timon's like yo bro what's going on what's popping <laughs> she's gonna eat me yo his face is pure comedy it gets me every time <laughs> and Timon looks up and he sees Nala coming with the fury. Sheesh. And right as Nala's about to pull up, Simba comes out the tree, Simba comes out the woodwork, and they start going at it. You know saying? They start tussling. Ah, ah, ah. And sooner or later, Nala pins down Simba. And Simba's like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This feels all too familiar. Nala? And she's like. Nigga, who is you? <laughs> and so she moves back. She retreats. And she's just like, no, 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 no. Who are you? He's like, it's me. It's Simba. He's like, Simba? Get the hell out of here. And they just start wilding. And, they, and the excitement and joy, you know what I'm saying? And the commotion is just like, ah, wow, wow, wow. You know what I'm saying? And Timon's just looking like, bro, what, what's going on here, bro? What's going on here, B? Somebody's got to talk to me. Hello? Hello? And they're not even paying him no mind. And he's just like, yo, what's going on here? <laughs> and that's when Simba, you know, expresses that he knows Nala. This is a longtime friend. And, you know, saying they just start catching up. And they, you know, saying just like, all right, cool. Let, let's holler at each other for a little bit. And <laughs> the first thing I want you guys to know about this scene is well moving forward in life in everything whatever men women children elderly listen close and hear this now if you haven't already found her or him your nala will come your nala will come whoever is meant to be the nala in your life they will come find you. Simba wasn't actively looking for Nala. Nala wasn't even actively looking for Simba. But fate just so had it that they found each other anyway. And this is something very important that we got to remember, ladies and gentlemen. You will drive yourself crazy trying to find your Nala, going out in the jungle actively trying to find your Nala, and deeming whoever you come across to be your Nala. Relax. Chill. Breathe, live the Hakuna Matata lifestyle, and your Nala will find you. <laughs> so, you know, Simba and Nala, they go off talking, and your team, Timon and Pumbaa, they're going to look very skeptical at first. They're going to be very skeptical. Who is this? 
Who does she think she is just pulling up, taking our dude, you know, dragging him off? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can see what's happening. And they don't have a clue. They'll fall in love. And here's the bottom line. Our trio's down to two. He's tight. Because <laughs> he already sees what's about to happen. He already sees what's finna go down between Simba and Nala. <laughs> so he's like, damn, man. You got shorty coming around just taking our dude like that, man. How, how she gonna do that to us, bruh? How she gonna just pull up like that and just sweep him off his feet? Ain't that, a, ain't that, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna say nothing, man. So, <laughs> but even though they're skeptical at first, in due time, they'll come around. Because for him to say that he can see what's happening off rip, that means he sees a promise in Nala. He sees something in Nala that will captivate us. That will be like, yo, if he don't mess, if he don't, if he don't, if he don't act right, he gonna, he gonna get caught up. He gonna get cuffed up real quick, which is eventually what happens. But for him to see that promise in her, you know, so upfront and for him to see that Simba is just, you know, his whole mood just flips as soon as Nala comes into the picture, it's like, wow, damn, she really mean a lot to him. She really mean a lot to him. And this is something that, you know, we can't fight. We can't stop. We can't, we, nothing that we do can influence their outcome. And, th and that's something that also relates to, to real life. When you have your team, the relationship you have with your team, and then the relationship you have with your significant other are on two different levels. Of course, because they're both relationships, you know what I'm saying, there are things that, you know, intermingle between the two. But the level and the depth and the severity between those two relations in comparison to one another, your relationship with your significant other will run deep because that's your partner. Uh, you know what I'm saying, that is your life partner. So your team will, they, they, they're not going to have a choice. They're going to have to respect that they're gonna have to abide by that you see especially if they see the promise in her especially if they see that yo she is someone that could take this nigga to the next level and, and, and it's you know men and women you're saying is if your team sees who you bring into the table and they're like hmm this is a strong candidate this is a very strong candidate so we're gonna have to you know let them live a little bit we're gonna have to let them live and if he falls in love tonight, it can be assumed his carefree days with us are history. In short, our pal is doomed. So they already know the dynamic that they had is going to shift because of Nala's arrival. And they've already accepted it. <laughs> Ain't nothing you can do, for guys. You know what I'm saying? You just gotta let them rock. You just gotta let them be. Let them explore it. Let them rock. Let them live. <laughs> so now Simba and Nala, they go off. They're having their conversation. They catching up on all the good times and all everything that's happened. And lo and behold, surely enough, Nala's gonna be like, mm, "It's time to G check you, bro. It's time for you to come back to Pride Rock." It's time for you to take over. It's time for you to sit on the throne that is rightfully yours. She challenges him. 
She's like, yo, you not going to be no weak nigga. And Simba's like, yo, bro, I ain't even trying to go back. I ain't trying to do all that. I'm living comfortable. I'm living fine. I don't need no responsibilities. F responsibilities. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I going to go back there? Because Simba knows that if he goes back to Pride Rock, he's going to have to face Scar. He's going to have to face his past. And he's been running from it like lightning, bro. He doesn't want to confront it in any way, shape, or form. Sound familiar, ladies and gentlemen? It should sound familiar because a lot of y'all do this too. So he's running away from his problems. And once not, and he has Nala there just trying to challenge him. And it's like, yo, not everything is going to be smooth when Nala comes about. The Nala in your life will challenge you to be the king or queen that they see you to be. And if you're not in that headspace to accept that challenge, there's going to be turmoil. There's going, there's going to be turmoil. But again, you have to be willing to face that challenge. You know what I'm saying? And looking at the story, oh my God. Something that as a guy... I notice that a lot of men do this. You know what I'm saying? We have a Nala that comes in our lives. She challenges us to be the king that she sees we can be. And we put up this wall because we get in our feelings. Because she says something that triggers us. Simba's like, yo, you're starting to sound like my father. And she's like, good. At least one of us is. Whew. And that sets Simba off. You think you can come in here and tell me how to live my life? You don't know nothing that I've been through. You don't know nothing, B. Fall back. And she's like, yo, if you tell me, I would know. Nah, I don't want to tell you. It doesn't matter. Here they go, that wall again. It's that ego in men. So my brothers, please, please, my brothers, if you have a Nala in front of you challenging you, trying to get you to that next level, don't put up that wall, bruh. Don't put up that wall. Open up to her. Be vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? If Simba told Nala his story, if Simba told Nala his recount of the stampede itself, who knows? Nala could have been like, hmm, hmm, that's what happened. You said you saw Scar, right? What was Scar during all of this? What was Azu during all of this? You don't think, you know what I'm saying? Like, was he doing anything to actively help? You know what I'm saying? Because these are the questions that we don't think about. But that's why our, when our Nala comes about, they they like, yo, we I, I see something a little bit different here. Some some of these dots are not connecting. And that's why we need those type of people in us to challenge our perspective, to challenge our views so that we can see things in a different perspective. And we can be like, hmm, who, like, who knows? Simba could have told Nala what happened and Nala could have been like, yo, this don't add up. We need to go G-check Scar to see what really happened on his side. And because Simba's just not trying to express, you know what I'm saying, we, we'll never know if, you know, if they'll be able to put the pieces together. But regardless, Simba gets upset. He walks away from Nala, and he's just tight. He's in his feelings. She thinks she can just come in here, you know what I'm saying, and just run me and tell me what to do. Who does she think she is? She must be crazy. She must be sniffing that coke. She coked out. Thinking she can just pull up and be like, yo, you got to go back. I ain't trying to go back. For what? And that's when Rafiki comes out. And he's just like, yo. <laughs> that's when you meet. That's when Rafiki first interacts with Simba. And I don't I don't remember. I don't, I don't specifically remember what Rafiki says to Simba to engage the, him in conversation. But, you know, he says something about Mufasa. He's just like, yo. I know who you are. 
you're Mufasa's boy. Simba's like, what? And Rafiki runs away. And Simba's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to just say my pop's name and then book it like that. He ch- chases after him. So he eventually catches up to Rafiki and he's like, yeah. Oh, you know my pops? He's like, yeah. No, 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 no. I know your pops. I know your pops. He's still living. And Simba's like, yo, bro, what are you talking about? Nah, you know, he's dead. He's like, nah, he's living. He's here. <laughs> and I can show him to you. You followed Rafiki. He knows the way. <laughs> oh, man, I love that part, bro. So Simba follows Rafiki. And Rafiki gets to like a, like a pond, a small pond. And he tells him, go look in the pond and you'll see your pots. Simba looks at the pond. He just sees his own reflection. You don't see nothing. He's like, yo, bro, what you talking about? You crazy. You off that coke too, man. You and Nala been tripping. And he's like, no, 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 no. Look, look harder. And I feel like Rafiki was really trying to show Simba that even though your father is not here in the physical, the birthright that was bestowed onto you by him lives within you. It's still there. And because you are still breathing, you still have the claim to the throne. Simba looks into the pond and he sees Mufasa's reflection. You see, he lives in you. Which then transitions into the most powerful scene in the film. Simba, you have forgotten me. Simba's like, what? I can never forget you. That's impossible. So you've forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. And you must take your place in the circle of life. And that's not enough to convince Simba. He's still fighting. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. Powerful. Pow, crazy. And this scene is where I most identify with Simba's story as to where I am right now in life. You know what I'm saying? Because I, over the past couple years, I've been able to develop somewhat of a Hakuna Matata lifestyle. I've been very carefree, very worry-free. I don't get angered easily. I don't get upset easily. You know what I'm saying? Things, you know, when life happens, you know what I'm saying, or unfortunate events occur, I've been able to kind of roll it off. I've been able to be okay. You know what I'm saying? I've never let life beat me down into the ground so i've just been living as what i like to say is what i like to call myself a leaf in the wind i just been a leaf in the wind just floating around as as the winds blow i just flow with the wind and i've really been living that life for for the past couple years but at some point god g-checked me he was like yo remember who you are you are my son and the one true king. He revealed to me that there is something inside of me that is very, very rare 
He spoke to me. He's like, yo, Steve, you, you're, not, you're not like a lot of people. In a world full of people that love to talk about themselves, you are one of the few that is completely fine just listening. That's very rare. It's very, very rare in today's times. And not only can you listen, and not only can you put yourself in their position, but you can think from that position. That's very, very rare. Not a lot of people can do that. Not a lot of people can think like that. So I've put something in you that is meant to be bigger than you, that is meant to be used to affect more people, because that is something that a lot of people can benefit from. And I've just been sitting on it. Me personally, I've, I've just been sitting on that on that blessing. I've just been sitting on that calling. But then he came up and he was just like, yo, remember who you are. It's about that time you get to work. It's about that time, which led to this beautiful podcast. And this is not just a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thoughts of an empath is so much more than a podcast. Well, it's the podcast is just an extension of what thoughts of an empath is already and what it would truly will be. And that's a nonprofit organization. I found that, you know, yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think different. And yeah, I can talk to you guys to death all day. But that's not what I want to do. It's not what I want to do in my life. I don't give a damn if I if I get big off this. I'm not looking to do this to get money. Nah. I'm just doing this to have the conversations. I'm just doing this just to just to express my thoughts to you guys. But what I really want to do is impact the world. I really want to get out in the field. And fate just so happened, God just so happened to really lay out the path as I've taken the steps to be like, okay, God, I understand that you've put something inside of me that needs to be done, that needs to be used for your be- for your purpose, not my purpose. I've found my purpose. I've found my calling. And as I've taken the steps forward, he's brought people and revealed people to me that will help me along my path. I want to take a little bit of time to give uh, a shout out to the SOAR Mentorship Program. It is a mentorship program um you know that was founded by adal regis a former nag graduate and a very close friend and family friend of mine and what we do in soar mentorship is work with the sixth and seventh graders at nag middle school to you know encourage them to help them with their academics to challenge them their minds to elevate them to the next level and really make an impact in our young to impact the next generation. You see, I think that's one thing that my generation and the generation of before me that we really we really slacked off on. The good thing is it's never too late. As long as you are breathing, there is hope for redemption. But to this date, from my observation, we've done a very poor job of nurturing the upcoming generations. We've done a very poor job of instilling in them that they are kings and queens and they can accomplish whatever they put their minds to and they have the power to reach those things. And as long as they put in the work, 
And as long as they can take a couple L's along the path and they don't let the L beat them to the ground, but they can get up after the L and keep going forward and keep pushing forward, that they can be the kings and queens that we see them to be. We've done a very poor job at that, ladies and gentlemen. We have kids growing up with feelings of anxiety and depression and, and feeling like they're not good enough. At a young age, in middle school, in elementary school, in high school, that means we're not doing our job. That means we're failing them. And it's about time that we start doing right by them because they're the ones that's going to take over when we're done. And if we don't prep them right, bro, ain't no future. Ain't no future in us. I will say, though, I do see a light. I do see the future being brighter than what we've made it to seem. But it takes the little things. It takes each and every one of us acting and helping them and growing them and growing each other and spreading love to each other. And that's what the thoughts of an empath nonprofit organization is meant to be. Something that shows from young to old that we are all kings and queens. That if we show each other love, we can all raise more kings and queens and start a new cycle of love as opposed to the cycle of hate that's been plaguing our country for so many years. That's what Thoughts of an Empath is all about. So again, thank you to the, the SOAR Mentorship Program for allowing me to be a mentor and speak and work with these kids and, you know, and really feel like I'm making an impact. But it doesn't end there, ladies and gentlemen. When I tell you God puts those people in your way, oh my God. One of my frat brothers, he referred me to a woman that runs the Liberty Partnership Program that I believe is ran through um, RCC. And she invited me to go speak to some of their young kids. I believe they're middle school kids as well. So, you know, I was able to speak to them about some different things and just... And just talk to the kids and see where their minds at and hopefully help to shape their minds. But then coincidentally, one of the teachers running that program is one of my former teachers from Niagara High School. And she had invited me last week to go speak to some of the high school students. And I had such an amazing conversation with them. It was so beautiful, man. And this is something that I genuinely enjoy doing. I love speaking to the young minds. I love interacting with the, with the next generation because, again, they are the ones that are going to take us to the next level. Here's a quick reality check, ladies and gentlemen. I am 26 years old right now. My generation, however far the millennials generation, we won't be the ones to impact. We won't be the ones to see the country for what we want it to be. We, it will not happen in our lifetime. But if we can train the next generation, they'll be able to train the generation after them. And in due time, we'll get to that point. We'll get to that, that point where we as a society can say we are built off of love as opposed to being built off of hate. You know what I'm saying? So it's very important that we take those steps, that we take that responsibility. 
that we find our passion and we find our purpose and we translate it to the next generation so that we can leave something behind for them so that they can pick up the reins so that they know in confidence that they can pick up the reins and continue to move forward and continue to strive forward as we sit back in our retirements and be like yo i feel good about the state of of affairs that we've left the next generation we must be the mufasas to these young simbas you know what i'm saying we must know we got to show them the lay of the land we got to explain to them how things work we have to explain to them what it means to be a king what it means to be a queen because they don't know a lot of my generation don't know so we got to put in the work guys this is really a call to action this is really a call to action. Whether you want to work with my organization, Thoughts of an Empath, whether you want to start your own organization, whatever you want to do, you'll have my support. But let's do it for them. Let's do it so that when we pass, when we're on our deathbeds, we like, yo, I'm, I, I can go in peace. I don't have no regrets. Because I know the people that's coming up after me, they're going to take us to the next level, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, I've been ranting. I've been ranting. To get <laughs> to get back to the story, and it's like after Mufasa has the the exchange with Simba, Rafiki appears and he's like, yo, <laughs> this weather's crazy, ain't it, bruh? Simba's like, yeah. The winds are definitely changing. I'm like, yeah, change is good. Change is very good. And Simba's just like, yo, I I didn't think I'd be going back. I've been running away from my past for so long that, you know, I didn't think I'd get to this point. And Rafiki does something real quick. Ah, smacks him in the head with a stick. Damn, look at that hurt, bruh. What's wrong with you? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Well, well it still hurts. Rafiki's like, yo, yeah, the past can hurt. The way I see it, you could either run from it or learn from it. Swings again. And Simba ducks. He's like, you see? <laughs> so what are you going to do? First thing first, I'm going to take your damn stick. Out of here, man. <laughs> Throws away the stick and he jets off. He's like, where are you going? Going back, bro. And what that tells me is that when you know what you must do, when you know in your heart of hearts, that you found your purpose, that you found your calling. There's no consultation. There's no, you know, I, I gotta plan this out. I gotta think this out. Nice, you go. Simba didn't go back and talk to Timon. He didn't talk to Pumbaa. He didn't consult with Nala. He didn't even consult with Rafiki. He's like, nah, bruh, I know what I need to go do and I'm about to go do this right now. He was prepared to take on Scar Dolly. And that's the mindset we got to have, ladies and gentlemen. We got to be able to be ready and willing to take on the scars in our lives. Dolly. A lot of us are scared of that. A lot of us be like, damn, I want to go back and fight for my crown. I want to go back and fight for my kingdom. But this looks like a lot of work. I need some help. So we go and enlist the help of other people. And sometimes we enlist the help of people that don't want the best for us. So not only do we have an enemy in front of us, now we have an enemy standing right next to us. But if you know in your heart 
I know what I got to do. And I'm ready to go do what I got to do. I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to think. I don't, I'm not, I don't need to think about it. I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to be about that action. The people that are going to be in your corner, they will come to. They will find you. They will come support you because they see you have a vision. They see you're willing to go fight for your kingdom by yourself. And they'll be like, nah, I'm not going to let my homie ride out Dolly. I'm going to go support my homie because that's my people. That's my family. And that's how you find out who's really for you, ladies and gentlemen. You do what you feel you need to do in your heart of hearts. When you find your purpose, when you find your calling, you go. And you be unapologetic about it. Like, I, I feel y'all. Y'all my peoples. I love y'all. But I got to go do something. I got to go handle this business. And when they see that you're determined and they see that you can't be swayed, it will inspire them to support you. It will inspire them to support you. I'm speaking this from experience, people. Come on, man. You got to see. <laughs> Those that will be for us will always be for us. But we got to be willing to do what we need to do on our own first. So that they can see that we serious about what we doing. So that they can see that, yeah, he's uh, he ain't playing no games. He want his crown. She want her crown. She ain't going to let no scar run her kingdom. F out of here. So we're going to ride out with them. And we're going to support them. And we're going to back them up. And God will send those people your way. The universe, fate, Muhammad, Allah, I don't know. Whoever you believe in, they will send them your way. And if you believe in somebody that's not going to send pe pe those people your way, you, you got some soul searching to do, B. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, and this is where I'm going to end part two. This is where part two ends because part three starts is when he gets back to Pride Rock. Ladies and gentlemen, be unapologetically determined. To do what you feel you need to do when you find that purpose. Remember who you are. Remember that you have that birthright inside of you. And as long as you are breathing, nobody can take that from you. So don't let nobody take that from you. If you got to fight, if you got to grind, if you got to claw and scratch, you do what's necessary. Fate will send those people to you. Those who will support you. Those wise people who will challenge your way of thinking and who will challenge your mentality. They will come and keep them around. Keep those people around. Because those are the ones that are going to help you get to the next level. The Nalas, the Rafikis. But also keep around the Timons and the Pumbas. The people that help you actually live life. Find enjoyment in life. But once you get that G check calling... Oh, nah, I got something big to do. You got to let that by, by the wayside. If you're not prepared to face your scar, don't even go back to Pride Rock. If you feel like you need help, if you feel like you have to assemble an army in order to fight scar, don't even go back to Pride Rock. Stay in the jungle. Live the Hakuna Matata lifestyle. That's cool. You'll live a comfortable life. You'll live a good life. But for those of you who want more, 
For those of you who want a life of substance, for those of you who want a life of purpose, when you get that calling, you go. You don't ask no questions. You don't, you don't really try to you think too much about it. You go because you know what you got to do. And you know that you're a queen and you know that you are king. You don't got to look for it in other people. Like Simba never saw himself as a king. That's something I recognize. As soon as Mufasa died and he was supposed to inherit the throne, Scar took that away from him and sent him away. So Simba never viewed himself as a king. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. You've never seen yourself as the royalty that you actually are. But you're alive. You're breathing. And I want to tell you, remember who the hell you are. You are a king. You are a queen. So do the necessary steps to show yourself as a king. To show yourself as a queen. So that when you have your little ones, you can teach them how to be kings and queens. When you have other little ones in your circle, when you become part of a village that is meant to help a little one grow, you can instill in them that you are a king. You are a queen. You can reach the highest pinnacle as long as you are willing to put in the work for it. But don't ever get discouraged because you can attain it. And if you slip and fall, don't worry. Your village will be here to support you. But you have to be determined. You have to lead the charge. And then we'll see that you're determined. We'll see that you mean business. And we'll be like, you know what? We're going to ride out with you, bro. We ain't going to let you do this by yourself. But you got to be ready to do it by yourself. And that's where we're going to end part two, ladies and gentlemen. Whew. Whew. I'm sorry if I went off, but I had to get that off my chest because I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of seeing people with royalty inside of them. Just letting it go by the wayside. I'm sick and tired of people putting their crowns on the shelf and letting it get dirty. And not doing anything to clean off their crown. Not putting in the work to make, their, make sure their crown sparkles. Not putting in the work to find new jewels and life to add to their crown. And wearing that crown on their head high and proud. I'm tired of seeing people not doing it. And that's the reason why life is the way it is right now, bruh. Whether you want to believe it or not, I don't give a damn who you are. If you don't see yourself as that king, if you don't see yourself as that queen, you're wasting your, you're wasting your royalty. Which is even worse than the lineage of royalty being broken. Which is even worse. I love you guys. I'm praying for everybody. I hope y'all praying for me. I hope y'all continue to support me. And I hope you realize that you are the king that you are looking for. That you are the queen you are looking for. So that we can get, so that we can really start to put the work in, guys. So that we can really start to, you know, get the ball rolling. Uh, I mean, I don't think I got anything else for y'all. So, I hope you guys have a blessed day. I hope everything goes well. The sun seems to still be out, but it's a kind of, it's a little brick outside. So, you know, bundle up a little bit. And remember that it's your choice what to do with your crown. 
You can leave it on the shelf, let it collect dust. You can let someone come up and sneak behind you and take it. Or you can clean it up. You can wear it on your head. It's your choice. And I pray to God you choose wisely, ladies and gentlemen. Have an amazing day.